You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, everyone. This is Adam from Team Overdrive, and welcome to episode 111 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Uh, just me by myself today, uh, Jill is not in the office this morning, so I did. I'm doing. I'm doing this by myself, all by my lonesome. <laughs> um, today's episode was an interview that I just did with Scottish author Denzel Mayrick. Uh, the book we talked about is Whiskey from Small Glasses. He is the writer of the DCI Daily Thriller series. Uh, they're a series of crime novels about a, de- a detective named John Daly. Um, Whiskey from Small Glasses was chosen as Overdrive's Together We Read uh, digital book club for our UK libraries and their users. So what that means, we talked about our Together We Read program previously for Canada, but the Together We Read program, it's a digital book club very similar to Overdrive's Big Library Read, but Together We Read is specifically is set for a specific geographical location. So this one is for the UK And what will happen is from May 11th through the 25th, our library users in the UK can go to their Overdrive websites and they can borrow whiskey from small glasses without any wait lists or holds. And these are very popular titles, so I'm expecting a a lot of people to be interacting with them. You can also visit Together We Read for more information. And we also have a discussion board on there uh, that you can go and share your thoughts and interact with other readers that are enjoying these books. Uh, If you're not in the UK, I still highly recommend reading Whiskey from Small Glasses. The titles are available in um, a number of our libraries all across the world. So uh, Denzel was a blast to talk with. He um, has a background in in the police force, uh, but he always also was a writer, a journalist, and, and, and different things. So he's lived a really interesting life, and he does a wonderful job of putting uh, the setting and the, the location that he lives in in Scotland into his stories, and that setting and sense of place really becomes an important part of the story that you're reading. Uh, I think people will really enjoy this. Uh, he He's just a, he has a really great perspective on life, and we had a blast chatting about libraries and their importance and and books and and a whole a whole bunch about Scotland as well. So, again, it's a part of the Together We Read program. His name is Denzel Mayrick, and I really want to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, so, if you want to get in contact with Jill or I, uh, you can do so by emailing us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive dot com. Or you can find us on Twitter at ProBookNerds. Um, not going to keep any longer, but again, just as a reminder, check out TogetherWeRead.com for more information. We're doing a number of these uh, large-scale digital book clubs uh, all across um, all across the world. And we also have a big announcement about our Big Library Read program coming next week as well. So if you visit BigLibraryRead.com, you still should be able to vote on titles and, and let us know what book you want to be the next global book club uh, selection that we're going to do with our big library read in June. So, all right, uh, that's it. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Denzel Merrick on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. 
Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Denzel Merrick, who is the author of the DCI Daily series, the first book of which, Whiskey from Small Glasses, was chosen to be the Together We Read Digital Book Club uh, pick for libraries across the United Kingdom. From May 11th through the 25th, readers with library cards in the UK can visit their library's Overdrive page and borrow the title without any wait lists or holds. You can also visit togetherweread.com for more information and to join our discussion board and share your thoughts on this wonderful book. Denzel, thank you so much for taking a few moments and chatting with us today. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So, for our listeners who might not be aware of your books, can you give us a, a brief introduction to Whiskey from Small Glasses? Certainly. Whiskey begins with a woman's body being found on the very rugged course, uh, uh, coastline of the west coast of Scotland near the town of Kinloch um, and it's clear, it becomes clear very early on that she's been murdered uh, and what happens then is um, because it's a small town and they don't have the resources uh, a police officer, in this case Jim Daly, is sent for from Glasgow to conduct the investigation and he finds himself in a community, a small rural community far from the resources of the city and the amenities that he's used to uh, and within a very tight-knit community trying to investigate and discover just what happened to this this poor woman and that's how, how things kick off. And so I have to say anyone who reads this will absolutely appreciate all of the you know police and criminal background and all of the the information that that you provide and it becomes pretty clear that you have a, a you know an obvious understanding of all of this, and it it's because you have a background in police work, is that correct? Yeah, many years ago I was in the police in, uh, in Glasgow, I worked as a police officer in Glasgow, way back in the 80s, I hasten to add, which is a very, very long time ago, before the days of even <laughs> uh, mobile phones, never mind uh, the internet. <laughs> uh, but but what, what advantage that gave me was the ability to per- perhaps understand how how cases are, are, are investigated and also how police officers speak to each other and to the public and so I think that adds a kind of authenticity to, to the piece. Um, it's easy for me to, to, to put in my head when I'm writing and hear the, the police officers speaking and conducting the investigation so I think it does add that sort of wee bit of authenticity. And so this fascinates me. How does one go from being in the police force to writing crime novels? Like, what what was the uh, the intermediate period in between those two things? Well, I'd always. I mean, I I studied politics at university and joined the police after that. However, um, in between times, I was um, a in business for a long time, <clears throat> and one of the, some of the businesses I had were were. Uh, um, involved with with advertising and promotion, and of course, lots of that involves copywriting and and uh, um, writing brochures and various promotional items, and and uh, also I worked as a freelance journalist in between times too. So I had experience of writing, not necessarily writing novels, but um, certainly writing of of some um, description, and that all helped along the way. So. 
that's something as a person who does a lot of writing for our company here, and I, I've talked to a lot of people who do, as you mentioned, kind of copywriting and things like that. Um, as as their day job, you know, you were just sort of helping along the lines with those types of things while your actual day job, you know, in the in the police force. Did you always have aspirations, even at that time, that at someday you did want to write a novel? Because I feel like anyone who has the ability to write always has that in their mind, like someday I'm going to write a novel. But you actually, you know, you actually did it multiple times at this point. So, did you have that idea early on, like someday you want to tell a full story like this? Yeah, I think it was always in the mind from being, you know, a teenager, really. Um, I was lucky enough very many years ago to interview a local author <clears throat> you may not be aware of, but his name is Angus McVicker, um, who was a well-known author in the 50s and 60s in, in this country. And um, he very much encouraged me to, he thought he'd, he'd spotted a talent I had and um, very much encouraged me to write to write books and, and to take up writing. And... Um, um, after that, I always really bore an aspiration to to do uh, or to write write a book. And you know, but you know how how life works. Um, different things get in the way, and families, and um, your your whole life just takes its own course. And uh, it wasn't until really I fell ill um, a few years ago that I was able or had the time to 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 write at all. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what prompted me to be able to realise this this long held aspiration. And uh, I actually, I saw in an interview, getting back to your actual books, I, I saw in an interview, you, you said that you wrote, or you write the stories of the DCI Daily series more so as uh, ensemble books for a few of them, as opposed to just focusing on, on one detective. And that's something that a lot of crime novels tend to stick with. So what was your thought process behind this decision? I think, you know, I, I don't know about the, the States, but in, in Scotland, certainly, um, crime writing has become quite ubiquitous. And I think I wrote in a newspaper in the Scotsman a couple of years ago that, that uh, you know, you travel 50 miles in any direction in, in Scotland and you'll find that you'll come across a, <coughs> a fictional detective. <laughs> and, and so we're all looking for that little hook, that wee kind of um, interesting difference to attract to attract readers. And I felt that, that um, rather than focus on one protagonist, rather than have it all centred around one detective. And, and of course, DCI Jim Daly still plays a huge part in the books. Right. But he's ably assisted by the likes of his indomitable uh, um, DS, his, his Sergeant Brian Scott, and other characters within who reappear with, across the novels. And I think it just gives you that, that greater scope, that ability to change things and move things about, and not always to have the camera on the shoulder of of the, the, um, the detective, if you like. Uh, and it's, it's something different for readers, and, and it marks, hopefully marks the books out as being slightly different and noticeable as well, you know? Yeah, and I, I really like the, the idea of the fact that, because you're right, a lot of the crime novels, that, at least in the States, the, the ones that I read, they do tend to really focus on one person, and you get this idea yeah. that solving a crime is something that you know one person does in a room by themselves with a bunch of black and white pictures and red yarn, and, and that's how the whole thing is accomplished. But there's so many, uh, you know, I don't want to even call them secondary, but there's so many other people that are involved in the process of of you know solving a crime, I really like how you shine a light on those people because it is very much a, a group effort to you know make sure that these things don't continue happening. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm paying nicest to that fact. Um, you know, it's a nod to the fact that the crime investigations aren't in real life 
uh, born on the back of one individual, but it's a real team effort. And I suppose I try to illustrate that as best as possible and using the technique of spreading spreading the story between the ensemble, as you mentioned, helps to helps to do that and, and to get that across. Um, and so in addition to it being a bit of an, you know, an ensemble story, setting also plays a very strong part in the books that you write. Uh, there's, as you mentioned in Whiskey from Small Glasses, there's kind of a, a conflict between rural and, and urban, and, and it feels very much that sense of place is something that really matters to you in your writing. So would you mind just kind of expanding on that just a little bit and what your, again, what your kind of ideas were behind putting that into the book? Absolutely. For me, very much um, the setting in Kintyre is, is, a, is, is another character in the book, in effect, and very, very important. Um, for those of you who know the, the Scottish geography, my town of, of Kinloch is inspired by the real town of Campbelltown, which is situated on the peninsula, which points directly down to the island of Ireland. And in fact, it's only about 12 miles across at the nearest point to County Antrim. Um, and it's a very beautiful part of the world, but a part of the world, that from, from my point of view, that gets overlooked, um, you know, in terms of travel travel programs and, and, and certainly in tourism. Uh, and uh, I'm, it's one of my little projects to try and get as many people to go down and visit McIntyre <laughs> uh, as possible. And, and you'll really find something stunning. We've got beautiful beaches, wide vistas across the, the Atlantic to in the Inner Hebrides, Tyler and Jura and the beautiful little island of Gia where, where the latest, the fifth novel is partially set um, you've got mountains and, and then the east side of the peninsula you look over to the island of Arran and across uh, the Clyde Estuary to the Ayrshire coast so it really has everything to offer and, and as anybody who lives on the coast will tell you um, the weather changes with great rapidity so <laughs> I use that to help help with the story too so you have a setting whereby um, there's a lowering dark sky or snow or rain or wind or sunshine and it all helps create that sort of ambience, the atmosphere you're looking for in a, in a novel and that helps the reader, I think, you know, locate themselves within the story uh, and uh, for me, uh, it's really, really, the, the setting is of the utmost importance. I have to tell you, uh, my wife and I are planning a trip next year across the UK, and you've you've sold it on me. We wanted to go to uh, England, Ireland, and Scotland while we're over there. So I'm I'm think I'm probably going to take you up on this offer and uh, and definitely explore all these locations as well. You can't beat it. I mean, there's a no, there's not a big ferry service from Kintyre to Ireland. You can get small um, ribs who they go across. You know, rigid inflatable boats that go across between the two places and. Really, it's fantastic. You can go straight from Campbelltown across to the Giant's Causeway, for instance, in County Antrim, and it's a very short journey, so well worth coming. <laughs> well, and I have to say, I, I love the idea when, when we do travel, we try to go out of our way to make sure that we don't just do things that all types of tourists are doing. We like to go to places that are a little bit, there, there aren't as many people there. So, as you mentioned, it, you know, making it your mission to make sure everyone goes and visits there, hopefully not an absorbent amount of people go in the next year, so when we go, we can kind of enjoy the uh, the local experience. So hopefully the tourism will hold off just a little bit for like a year, and then it can explode once I've come and visit. I'm okay after that. Oh, well, you have to be quick, because I'm, to honestly, I'm contacted every week by people who, <clears throat> after reading the books, are heading across to, or down, or across, or up, or wherever, um, their orientation is to, to Kintyre to visit. And it's really, 
it's been really heartening for me to you know for that for that to happen because it's something that's long overdue. All right, well then I will see if I can move up. I'll, I'll move up our trip if I can. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> obviously, you use location that you're familiar with. We talked about that and your police background in your books, but. Are there other aspects of your life or previous jobs that you put into characters or aspects of the stories you write? I think that um, every writer, to a certain extent, uses um, people that have met, past experiences, a sort of conglomeration of that in order to create characters, in order to create stories. I mean, you are basically the sum of your experiences as a human being, aren't you? Um, and so all you know is encompassed within what you've seen and done and people whom you've met and places you've been. So I'm no different in, in that respect. Um, <clears throat> I have to be very careful. You know, Cam, we're talking about the real Campbelltown is a very small place, and I'm pleased to say that the things um, that happen so readily in my books don't happen in real life in the real, <laughs> in the real <laughs> town. Um, but, but to create characters, I have to be very careful that I'm not stepping in on real people's toes. So everybody who is, the characters in the books are very much uh, out of my head rather than out of out of any kind of reality. But they have that kind of flavor of the population. The people are very warm at home. Um, they're very warm and interesting and talented people. You know, lots of musicians and, and writers come out of the area. We had Paul McCartney, a long time resident there for very many years since the, since the end of the Beatles. Uh, and with wonderful pipe bands and all sorts of things go on and it's a very much um, it's a different place from, from the norm and, and, and in a way um, you know harking back to, to days gone by in this modern world of ours and Campbelltown and Kintyre are still a wee bit removed from that and uh, so you, I really like the way you describe that kind of how as a writer you know a lot of the stories you tell are sort of you know, combinations and amalgamations of the experiences you have and, and the people that you interact with. But um, do you see yourself in any of the, the characters you write, whether it's, you know, DCI Daily or, or any of the other characters in the books? <laughs> um, some people suggest that. I don't personally. <laughs> I mean, I think that... I don't think you can help maybe imparting some of yourself into your own characters. And as, you know, potentially, I think Jim Daly's a bit morose and he's a bit grumpy and, you know, I'm... I could be like that occasionally, I suppose, <laughs> if I'm hypercritical. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I think every writer gives something of themselves to to certainly long-running characters or the, 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 those I've created. When you start investigating them or, or investing in them um, over a series of books and, and a, a reasonable period of time, and you get to probably know them um, as well as you know yourself. And certainly that... that uh, that helps a lot in terms of, of um, you know, being able to, to have that, to hear, it's very important for me to hear the characters in my head when I'm writing, and and, and I suppose, you know, it's obviously me that's doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I would, I would say yes, there's definitely a, a symbiosis there somewhere. Uh, so something else, this isn't really a spoiler alert to explain to people that there are, you know, more than one book in this, in this series, so I... At this point, I, th- I believe there's five books. Is that correct? Yes, the fifth book has just come out in the new the UK. It's called Well of the Winds, 
Um, but there are five books starting with Whiskey from Small Glasses as the, the first in the series. Okay. We so have The Last Witness, Dark Suits and Sad Songs, um, The Ratstone Serenade, and and well of the ones that I've just mentioned. Okay, so having written five books in, in a very popular series, do you in your mind have an end game for DCI Daily and this series? I mean, obviously as a as a criminal uh, you know plotline, there's always other cri- you know crimes to be solved and things like that, but in your mind do you have kind of an endpoint or are you just going to continue writing stories in this universe as long as they keep coming to you? Um, you know, it's hard to say, isn't it? You know, everything can can change. At the moment, I've no notion of ending the series. I don't think it's something I'm going to write. I've, you know, I plan to write maybe six, seven, eight books and say, right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you never know how things will how, how things will pan out. For, unfortunately, at the moment, um, there's a great readership and everybody loves them, and and so it's very easy to to plan the next one with with interest and confidence that you're you're going to be to be appreciated and, and um, sell across the counter. Um, however, I mean, I do, I would like to write something other than crime, and I have got a couple of other novels on the go in the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been rather overtaken by the success of, of Daily. Um, I must admit, I never in my wildest dreams imagined he would be uh, such a success um, that, 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 that the books have become. Um, so he he's kind of become rather ubiquitous, and he's just sort of taken over my my writing life. But I do, and I, and I will go ahead and and uh, produce other other books. However, I will stick with Daily as long as people want to read them. <laughs> that's probably a, financially that's probably a very smart decision to make. Um, so uh, something yeah. I love something I love asking all of the authors I, I chat with. Uh, so if you could take someone else's literary world, whether it's you know someone as famous as Tolkien or anyone else, if you could write an original story in another literary world, you know, one that you're maybe a fan of, what would you pick? Oh, there's so many. I mean, I was a great fan of of, um, so many brilliant, brilliant writers. I mean, John Updike was a a favorite of mine. Uh, But also, you're going back to the times of of, um, Wilkie Collins and Thackeray and Proust into more modern, the modern era. Um, there's a Scottish author who sadly is no longer with us, who died very young just a few years ago, called Ian Banks, mm-hmm. um, who wrote not only literary fiction but also wonderful science fiction novels. And I would love to um, have written something along the lines of the sci-fi that he produced because it was really groundbreaking stuff. A great, I, I have humour in my books and Ian Banks or Ian M. Banks as he wrote as under when he was writing his science fiction um, books became he, he managed to introduce that kind of great, great passages of humour into really complex sophisticated brilliant science fiction and if I had the opportunity I'd love to be able to do that and he's a man who is Sorely missed here in Scotland, and I dare say across the world. Mm-hmm. So, so do you ever envision, you know, a DC Daily, uh, DCI Daily, uh, in space, kind of a science fictiony playoff to have some fun with your readers? Well, funny enough, in, in dark suits and sad songs, there are there is a, a tentative UFO investigation, or <laughs> that um, I wouldn't say it was science fiction. <laughs> um, the, the funny enough, where the books are set are one of the areas of the UK that has been investigated in terms of becoming the, the Britain's first spaceport. 
So <clears throat> there is a kind of symbiosis there somewhere. Mm. Um, but I don't think DCI Daily will go into space anytime <laughs> soon, I must be honest. Uh, so given that your book was chosen as part of the Together We Read Digital Book Club uh, program, and obviously we're a library company, we always love asking authors, and especially ones that are involved in some of our book clubs like this, um, do you have any thoughts on the importance of libraries, especially in communities? Well, I think libraries are of pivotal importance. I, mean, I, I grew up in Campbelltown um, in the 70s and of course that was before the days of, of multimedia and the internet and everything else that's, that's changed. We only had two television stations for instance for much of the time I was I was growing up, BBC and independent television here in, here in um, the UK um, and there was no such thing as tablets or smartphones or anything like that of course and we spent a lot, a lot of our time um, reading both you know, reading, listening to the, to the radio, watching what television there was, and um, the, li- the library became a very important part in my life, of my life, and in, in the lives of many, uh, many, many others. And uh, I don't know if you know much about the politics that go on and goes on over here, mm-hmm. but libraries have been rather under attack of late, and many have unfortunately and sadly closed down. And I think it's a very short-sighted and, and um, shameful. Uh, policy because libraries are repositories of our souls, really, um, and it behoves us all to to try our best to to hold on to that great resource. And it's great to note that um, we have a local library. I live in Loch Lomond side now, and we have a library not far from ourselves. And the last time I visited, uh, there were people, there were children, and a you know a young toddlers group reading books in a group, there were older people on the internet, there were people learning languages, reading newspapers. Libraries really have kind of diversified in, in a way that I suppose they've had to, um, but, the, but it just shows you how they can become, in this in, increasingly disparate world, they become centres of community, and that's, that's something that's very important too and should not be forgotten. Uh, you actually you mentioned seeing you know young kids reading at the library, which is something I also love. It's actually one of my favorite things when I go to a library is seeing young kids being excited about books. Uh, do you remember growing up? What were some of the books that you loved as a child? Oh, the books by the late Angus Vickers and I've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Louis Stevenson was a great. I was a huge fan of. I think Treasure Island was the first book I remember being read to me by my grandmother when I was a a small child. I remember vividly being absolutely terrified by it <laughs> as maybe a three or four year old. She, she pers- persevered and it's always stuck in my mind as being a great, and Robert Louis Stevenson of course was a great a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on in my teens, the works of George MacDonald Fraser and Patrick O'Brien, um, I became very, very interested in. George MacDonald Fraser was a great chronicler. He wrote the, the Flashman novels um, about the adventures of the um, Tom Brown School Days character Flashman, mm-hmm. who he he situated it in, a, in later life in many real life um, um, historical incidents that happened in the the course of the, the British Empire, and he wrote fantastic, fantastic, informative, light-hearted, but really, really good books, really well written. And Patrick O'Brien again was a wonderful writer who wrote about the the Napoleonic Wars from a naval point of view. Mm-hmm. So guys, people like that were, were very important in, in um, inculcating me into the world of literature. Uh, and, you know, you can, they wrote books, well, like Tolkien as well, for instance. Mm-hmm. 
Not books that you've get absolutely lost in. I mean, I read Lord of the Rings, I think, for the first time when I was maybe nine or ten years old, and, and um, I've reread it since. And, and of course, in the intervening years, it's become a, a, a phenomenon. It's on, mm-hmm. on stage and screen and in and, and, and print. So, you know, the, when you read books like that, at a young age, they stick. They stick with you, you know. Those, and I completely agree. Those are the absolute. I I love a book that when I finish it, I can't. <clears throat> not only can I not stop thinking about it, but I I need someone else in my life to read that book, so I have someone to kind of share my thoughts with. Um, yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things that there's that sort of period of great sadness when you finish a book you've absolutely loved. And, <laughs> And which is closely followed by a, um, a period of um, must tell somebody about it, you know. <laughs> and I, I try my best to, to a lot of these, like these writers now are out of fashion. Um, mm-hmm. Great writers from the past, Charles Dickens was a, was a wonder. If you revisit the works of Charles Dickens, for instance, he was a wonderful writer. <laughs> the same for Anthony Trollope. And in many ways, they, they chronicle a world that has resonance within the society we, we currently live. And it's interesting to note that the, it's the old Shakespearean quotation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, and the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, and I find that fascinating when I do revisit the likes of Trollope and Dickens and Wilkie Collins and, and, and the many other great, great writers from that period. I have to tell you, I'm so happy you mentioned Charles Dickens. I, I have a co-host who couldn't join me today, but uh, I am—I absolutely love Charles Dickens, and I feel like I'm always on a soapbox about telling more people that they need to read Dickens. So I can't tell you how happy it is that, that you mentioned him, because he is one of my absolute favorite writers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean you, because this is a guy who has a, you know, a whole period of time named after him. <laughs> right. And, you know, often referred to as the Dickensian period, and... and in this country, mm-hmm. uh, and so that just shows you how important he was and remains in, in, in um, world literature, not just in the, the literature of the United Kingdom. Yeah, that makes me so happy. Uh, so towards the end of our podcast, we like to ask nine, we call them rapid-fire questions, but they never end up being rapid-fire because we end up chit-chatting in the middle of them. And the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? The last book I finished reading was Michael Palin's latest diaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, they are, and mm-hmm. the diaries taking him right up to the um, early 90s. Of, um, no, the, the early th- the, the millennium, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite place to read? Um, well, um, I read all over. I read you know, just personally anywhere, but... Um, I love reading a book before I go to, to sleep as well. It's something I've done all my life and it's very restful. So mm-hmm. I read a lot in bed. Does I try to, to, you know, writing, believe it or not, is really quite a, a, a busy kind of life. You know, you don't just spend most of your time is spent, a lot of your time is spent writing, obviously, but a lot of it speaking to the good people like yourself and mm-hmm. tuning about libraries and festivals and mm-hmm. elsewhere. And so it's nice just to sit with a, a book that, uh, and, and relax, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Um, a nice, a good red wine or a nice malt whiskey. That's, oh, those those are not guilty pleasures. Those are those are pleasures that should be always enjoyed. I I am right there with you. <laughs> um, uh, do well, you can't you, like it. Yeah. Do you have? Is there one place in the world you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Yeah, I mean, I, there's 
so many places. I, you know, I, I, I would all, I've always had a fancy. The world's changing so quickly now, and the diversity of the world is being eaten up in a way. In fact, I was speaking to somebody yesterday who visited um, Moscow in the 80s and returned to Moscow in the um, two or three years ago and, and just was disappointed how it had become like yet another city. And I suppose I'd like to visit somewhere far-flung, deepest, darkest China or South America somewhere. I'd like to go to Australia. I've never been to Australia New Zealand. And these are all places I've been to the States, but never never to, to South America. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and last, we were talking, my wife and I, just recently about travelling across the US and on, a, on a train. And we recently watched a television programme about it, and it looks fantastic. So I'd love to do that too. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favourite holiday to celebrate, like Christmas or Easter? <clears throat> I'm a huge Christmas fan, I must be honest. Mm-hmm. I love Christmas, and um, we... we Always have lovely family get-togethers, and we we um, we just enjoy lovely food and company, and and uh, the old glass of red wine and, and mm-hmm. good malt whiskey too, and it's yeah. a, just a lovely spiritual happy time. Uh, are you a coffee person or a tea person? Both. <laughs> I drink coffee in the morning and tea later on. Uh, yeah. Are you a cat person or a dog person? <clears throat> well, before I met my my wife, I was a dog person, but now. She's a huge cat person, so we have two lovely cats, one of which is a, a half-breed Scottish wildcat um, um, who we were, we were given by a farmer out in the wilds near Loch Lomond, and he's a real character, and so we're, we're very much cat people. <laughs> uh, do you have a favourite food? Um, oh, oh, now that's a good question. I, love, <laughs> I, I quite enjoy food, and I, I love Italian Italian food. I think Italian food is probably my favourite. Mm-hmm. And then, if you could have one, if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you choose? Uh, that's the, the the ultimate difficult, most difficult question to, mm-hmm. to answer. I think just drawing off the top of my head, I would love to have dinner with Winston Churchill that's... because I believe that Winston Churchill was a man who, not without his critics, um, but had the ability to take our country through one of the most difficult um, times of its existence. And not only that, was to cement the bonds between ourselves and yourselves across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. which is something that survives even even today. Um, and and um, it's something that's very important. In many ways, to my mind, Winston Churchill was the person who created the modern world for all its faults and problems. and. And regardless of what you think of him, his politics and his actions when he was alive, he was a wonderful writer. His, his, you know, he wrote wonderful works of history, and um, he was a painter, a politician, a statesman. And you know, you couldn't find, I don't think, a more interesting company. That's a really, really good answer. Uh, my last question for you is: What do you hope readers take away from reading your books? Um, I, I would like them to take a sense of place, a sense of um, community away from the books. You know, there are so many crime novels out there, um, both from from all parts of the world. I've been, just been invited to appear in a big crime festival in Germany um, later on this year, and, and they love Scottish crime fiction in Germany. We love Scandinavian crime fiction here, and of course the great crime fiction has 
for so long come out of the United States and elsewhere. But for my, I, you know, you just want some somebody to take something lasting from it. The place, the people, the characters, the story. You know, something that would have them um, think back when somebody asks a question, like some of the questions you've just asked me, for somebody to turn around and say, Ah, oh, yes, uh, Whiskey from Small Glasses, I remember that book. Mm-hmm. And that would be the ultimate reward. That's a perfect answer. Denzel, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.